Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 51. Today we're talking about sex magic and pussy whispering. You may be wondering, what do those two things have in common? And the answer is my guest. His name is John. He is a practicer of sex magic and the art of pussy whispering. Though he would argue it's not pussy whispering, he is whispering to the body, and the pussy is merely the vehicle for which the whispers are transmitted. But details aside, uh, the entire conversation is fascinating, especially if you're anything like me and absolutely ignorant to what sex magic is. Um, so if you're not, we cover all of that, what it is, how we got into it, how we practices it, the benefits. And then about halfway through, the conversation takes quite a turn because at that point I ask him, okay, well, sex magic aside, what else gets you off? And his answer is giving oral sex to women. So of course I had to dive into that. So the second half of the interview is largely about the pussy whispering, you know, how, how he got into giving oral sex. Is he any good at it? Why, why is it so appealing to him? How does he go about it? What are his kind of philosophies about approaching it? Any tips he has, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, John. Thank you for uh, agreeing to do this podcast with me. How are Thank you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Um, so I did want to just jump in. So you were recommended to me by um, Lada, and actually, I just uh, I just published her episode yesterday. Um, but this isn't coming out in real time, so yesterday is going to be meaningless when this does come out. Um, but she referred you to me, uh, and when you reached out to me, you mentioned that the two of you had been discussing sex magic and rituals. So I wanted to jump in and just hear more about that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, gosh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> um, first, I suppose, do you have any specific questions? Um, well, when you say that you were discussing it, I mean, it, uh, I assume you're both practicers of what you would consider um, to be sex magic and rituals, or it was more of a philosophical discussion of magic. I would, say a, little, I would say a little column A, a little column of column B. Um, we were just kind of comparing notes of stuff that we had noticed before, um, you know, techniques and uh, what we basically get out of the project and everything like that. Um, and it just it turned into this fascinating long conversation. She's a fascinating person, yes. so that kind of helped. But what um, qualifies as sex magic? I guess is more my question. I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with this topic. Oh, okay. Um, I guess uh, let's see. There's uh, many schools of thought on this one. Um, <sighs> I would say, I would say this, the most direct definition that I think most people can agree on is that it's basically using ritual and sex to increase a person's energy or perception hmm. uh, in accordance with a very specific goal. Okay. okay. Uh, it is my will that this will happen or that will happen, something like that. But in this case, it's kind of a collaborative project in which you're you're using. Uh, some bits of tantric, some meditation, um, and then sex all together. So not necessarily sex for the purpose of furthering the efficacy of a spell or something like that. 
Sometimes it is. Uh, it all, like I said, it all depends on what your goal is. Um, sometimes it's a matter of you having, I don't know, just an idea, something that you want to get across. Um, some project that you have, I wish success for this, or, you know, um, I hope this happens, or I wish that this would happen. And sometimes you feel like, well, I need to get a little extra oomph on this. Uh, then that's when you would call up your partner and say, hey, do you want to do this? And then what you can do is you can agree upon something because the agreement is very important. Right. Um, so it's a lot of times, like if you're doing it with somebody else, then it's a shared goal. You know, it's something that you both are very much into or something that you even wish for each other. Mm. You know? So it doesn't even have to be a togetherness thing that this will happen to us. It could be, I want this to happen to you and I really care about you and I really want this to happen for you. So let's do this. Okay. Can you give me a specific example of something that you might've been involved with recently? Um, recently, um, this was more just a connectedness thing of a kind of a mutual meditation at first. Um, just sitting, sitting, um, across from each other face to face. Um, in this case, knees touching. Um, and just trying to, uh, trying your best, as you know, it's always difficult to still your thoughts and be in that exact second. Um, this is incredibly difficult to do because you know the the mind struggles. Uh, <laughs> it 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 flashes from here to there. You're always getting little thoughts, and they're constantly admonishing yourself about getting those thoughts. And then you're admonishing yourself about admonishing yourself. <laughs> Um, it's this eternal spiral just, you know, drives things. So, I mean, you, you, you have to really concentrate on say your physical being You have to, uh, breathe in. And then when you exhale, you exhale all the way. I mean, as far as you can go with the exhale and then you breathe in again, exhale all the way. What you're doing is you're kind of awakening your other senses. You're, uh, not just sight, you're, you're, you're awakening touch, you know, sometimes smell. Uh, something other than seeing and hearing, which is what most people rely upon all the time. Right. Um, you try to get out of yourself that way. Um, and that's kind of the whole goal at the beginning is you get to, uh, to each, you work with somebody else to kind of get out of yourself and get, I guess, one with someone. Now, this is one way of doing this. The problem with a general term of sex magic is there are so many ways of doing this. There's heavy rituals. Somebody's like involved in I guess, what some people call high magic. You know, that's that's where people are wearing robes and they'll draw, um, you know, the one of the keys of Solomon or something like that on the ground. You know, yeah. um, some very complicated things with uh, runes written in, in Hebrew or Latin or, or, you know, whatever, whatever gets the juices going. Um, and in that case, you know, you're, you've got altars and you've got all this accoutrements and you're laying out thousands of dollars on this one thing. Um, so there's that there's, you know, there's there's the tantric uh, yoga and meditation. Uh, which can also serve that way. There's even uh, called chaos magic, yeah. um, which is as ordered as you would imagine it would be. <laughs> um, uh, but it's still it's still something that works for the person. I think you know, depending on where their imagination. You know, some people need the high magic because that's what that's what gets their brain going. Yeah, and so other people just you know just throw caution to the wind and say, hey, we're doing sex magic, and then just straight to fucking, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think in all cases, uh, what matters the most is is the intent, you know, that you're going in with a very specific thought or a very specific purpose, and you intend to do this. And most importantly, your partner intends to do this. 
This is something that you have agreed upon. So I think that's where it works best. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, um, so are you a practicer of magic outside of, of sex? Uh, yes, adjacent. Uh, <laughs> okay. this. Uh, I will, I will do it. I see the way, okay. The way I see life, I guess, is in a series of, uh, what I've read as being reality tunnels, mm-hmm. you know, basically what that means is just points of view. And, you know, you have the ability to flip between these points of view, the, the ability to flip from say, um, an atheist to a born again Christian. So you can basically just see the world through those eyes. So you can understand, you know, um, and one of the things that I can flip to is magic. So if I just feel the wild hair, cause I most sympathize with chaos. Um, if I feel the wild hair of thinking, you know, you know, I get the feeling that if I really want to do this, I'm going to need to do, I'm going to need to do something ritualistic or something special to make this happen. Um, and then you flip over to, you know, uh, something like uh, sigil magic or whatever that's heavy, heavy into uh, chaos. You know, you're creating special symbols that you charge that, that, um, that contain whatever you will to happen, you know, and then you discharge it to the universe, things like that. I see. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm. I'm just. I'm fascinated by this. I'm just. You know, I'm interested right. to hear how this all emerged for you. How How did you get into it? Um, I guess just general seeking. Um, I came from a um, strict, strict, strict born again background. Hmm. Um, very um, repressive. Um, you know, I have to say right now, not all born agains are like this. Uh, I have some friends who are born again Christians, uh, but in my particular experience. It was extraordinarily repressive and actually abusive. Um, so I realized that, you know, either uh, I realized this when in my late teens, I can either let this break me and turn me into a, just a terrible person. You know, somebody who's just really into hurting other people mm-hmm. or uh, I can figure my way out of it. And I didn't want to hurt people. So I figured I'll start, I'll start reading. I got to start studying this. Nobody's teaching this. From where, from where I was living at the time. Hmm. Um, there are no classes. There's nobody who can guide me on this. The best thing I can do is find some books. So, um, gosh, I, I ranged from different religions to um, uh, looking at uh, Buddhism and uh, particularly Zen. Um, I moved from that to getting to kind of the more of the pop philosophers and everything like that. Uh, one, uh, one writer who really... Uh, did a mind job on me was Robert Anton Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, uh, he's, he's an interesting human. Uh, he was an interesting human. Um, but he had all sorts of ideas. I was like, well, oh, this bears trying. I mean, you know, I've got nothing <laughs> to do really. Um, you know, I was mostly interested in, well, you know, how do you change your mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you take control of that? So I'm not, so I'm not a, uh, a passive, a person who's passively experiencing their own life. I can relate to that. And so um, it's funny when you were first describing it and it sounded a lot to me, especially when you were talking about, you know, the, um, the shared intention and the energy change and, and all of that sort of thing. It was making me think of, um, because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe myself as a practicer of magic, but I would definitely uh, describe myself as somebody who, um, definitely believes in the power of, of thought and intention. Um, I believe in the law of attraction, which does definitely, you know, that does go into the, the woo side of things, I would say. Okay. Um, uh, I guess I had never considered 
um, bridging any of those kind of uh, thoughts or activities into sexuality. Um, but it was also making me kind of nostalgically reflect on my own um, childhood. Well, not childhood so much, but um, when I was a teenager, I, I, uh, I was also reading and kind of exploring different religions and was just very fascinated by all of these things and trying to find my own place. And um, I, I considered myself to be a practicing member of the Church of Satan for a very short moment because um, right. even then, I, I'm in recovery right now. I'm not sure if uh, Lada had mentioned this, but um, so at the time, you know, I was a heavy drug and alcohol user and, you know, the writings were all about, you know, kind of embracing all of these hedonistic impulses and the, you know, embracing pleasure and, you know, whatever you're naturally inclined to do, then these are things that you should be doing. Cause otherwise, why would you have these inclinations, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying any of these things are connected at all. I'm just, it's, it's bringing all of these, these memories up for me, right. but it, for yourself, I mean, it's really fascinating that you grew up in such a, a strict upbringing and that you naturally reached out for these things. So it would, do you say that the magic came first or the interest in magic came first or would your interest in or your exploration in sex, like what, what kind of proceeded which? I would say um, not knowing, not, not having the language for myself at the time. I think I was always interested in magic because I was always interested in being able to personally affect a change in something yeah. and not be a passive victim of that change, you know? Yeah. So it was a matter of, of trying to figure out, well, what do I do to get ahead of all this? Hmm. You know, and a lot of it was just in, in the interest of self change and the, I guess the prevention of pain. Oh, by the way, congratulations on, on, on your, on your recovery. Well, thank you. Just want to say that real quick. Um, so, uh, what I, what I read early on is something I, I was fortunate, I guess, to catch this as early on as I did, cause I could have easily gone into hedonism. Um, was that things like that pleasure, is a tool. Mm. It's not a way of life. Um, pleasure is, is a, is a means to affect a change in your will or, or a change in your environment. And it's something that you can use and it's something that you can experience and think is beautiful. But, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what I once read about uh, the idea of shamanism. Mm. Okay. Um, that the purpose of not of shamanism is not to go to the other world. The purpose of shamanism is to go to the other world and come back. Hmm. So you can share your wisdom with the tribe. Yeah. Um, and pleasure is like that. Pleasure, as you know, you can easily lose yourself in. Um, it's, it's easy to drown in that. So the purpose is to take that pleasure, but don't live there. You come back with wisdom. Right. Um, and you use that to help other people as best as you can, who people who want to be helped. Hmm. You know? You, you, you create, you know, you know how everybody creates their own tribe. Yeah. Uh, you come back to help your tribe. Is your social circle very inclusive of people that share these interests and activities? It has people, it includes people who are interested in people who don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like I said, so some of my tribe were born again Christians. Right. Uh, the, the, the only criteria that I have is, is kindness and love for others, mm. you know, and a born again Christian can have Certainly. Um, so can anybody in any religion or without a religion at all. Um, I wish I could remember this, this, um, this yoga master's name is, um, 
wish I could. Um, but basically, he did an experiment on himself. And that experiment was to see if he could reach enlightenment through different religions. Mm-hmm. So um, he was used to meditating on Kali, right? And he was able to achieve this, this perfect, beautiful peace. Well, then he did the same thing in Islam, and he did the same thing in Christianity. He was able to create that peace in every system he tried. Okay. So that, uh, to me, that shows the universality of all of this. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many different ways to look at this, including the word magic itself. I'm sure that, that there's somewhere somebody's listening to us and just hurling something against the wall <laughs> and saying, that's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's an idiot. He's got no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Um, magic is like the word love in that everybody carries their own personal definition of it. Mm. And part of connecting with people is trying to parse out what that word means to them. I mean, is sex magic and the idea of ritual, do these things ever fall into the realm of uh, becoming like a fetish or a kink for you? Uh, no, not really. Um, kink is a part of it. Mm. Um, if you feel, you know, if you feel it's necessary. Um, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier was chaos magic sigils, um, you know, personal personal symbols that that represent a desire or a will in that working. And what you do is you charge up the sigil. How you do that? There's many different ways. Masturbation is one of them, hmm. where you you know it's, um, it's it's what it's what some call fucking make a wish. Yeah. Uh, you know, so sex is sex is part of it. Sometimes masturbation is part of it. So you masturbate until you are just barely. At climax, you're just about to tip over, and then you view that sigil, and as you're coming, you just that's all you're supposed to envision is that sigil. You're mm. just doing that, and the second you're done, you destroy the sigil. You never use it again. And how does the sigil exist? Is it something you're you've just written down, or you're drawing in it's, salt, or typically what you do is you'll write in a sentence what you want to have happen. Mm. Okay. Um, um, it is my will this week that I will find love. Okay. Then what you do is you, uh, you cut apart that sentence. What you do is you go through and you remove any repeating letters in that sentence. Okay. So say there's a bunch of eyes like there would be, you remove almost, you remove all the eyes, but one. Okay. You just keep chopping letters off until you're left with this gobbledygook. Right. It just seems like a random assortment of letters. Then you take those letters and you combine them in a way that feels mystical or right to you. It's very improvisational at that point. You're basically just basically using kind of graphics arts in this. You're you're combining the shapes of these letters into a symbol to something that looks, I guess, appropriately witchy to you. You know, something that looks mysterious and cool. It's like, ooh, that looks that looks mysterious and cool. Uh, that's your sigil. Hmm. That's what you're going to use. Now, masturbation isn't the only way to charge it. You can charge it through pain. You can whip yourself until you reach that state or starvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many different ways to reach this. Masturbation is by far the most fun <laughs> <laughs> and the easiest. So if you have a specific kink, um, you can use that to envision your sigil and everything like that. And the important thing, of course, being at the very end, destroy it completely. Mm -hmm. It has to be gone. Um, So you can use kink. You can use BSDM for this. 
it's basically what you're doing is the the physical act itself doesn't quite matter. Okay. Um, what matters is your mental state. You're trying to get into this this space that you very much like get to like when you're just about to orgasm. Mm-hmm. You are very much in that second. Your full body is paying attention to the to the second you're about to come. You know, you're not you're not about to come and thinking about your electric bill at the same time. <laughs> well, let's hope not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> let's hope not exactly. Um, so the point is to be in that exact moment. This you feeling charged. Hmm. You're feeling this this maximum bizarre energy inside of you. Um, and then once you're releasing, you're also releasing that sigil. So when you have sex, are you, are you only doing it in a more magical way or do you have what would be considered, I guess, more vanilla sex? (laughs) Fun sex. (laughs) (laughs) Is it not fun to do sex magic? It's very fun to do sex magic, but you also have to concentrate. (laughs) Right. It seems like it's a lot of mental energy. You have to really come into it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to plan it. It's not spontaneous. (laughs) It's not very spontaneous. You can you can decide five minutes beforehand we're going to do sex magic, but at the same time you're planning it, you know. Whereas I call it I, I just call it fun sex just to be silly, but it just <laughs> means you're being more spontaneous. It, you're not trying to accomplish anything other than to to have you and your partner or partners have a great time. Right. So, so do you seek out partners that share this interest with you or is it more of like you, you were saying with your social circle, you know, people that are kind of more open-minded and, and just, you know, don't care one way or the other. And perhaps, you know, just identifying somebody as being open to it, then you would bring it up at some point. Or is it something like you actively seek out people that are, are in this, this, this sphere with you? No, I, I don't really active, actively seek that out just because it's, it's rarefied in a way. It's it's hard to find people who are not only into sex magic, but also are into the specific kind of sex magic um, that that you're into or are interested in getting there. Like so, for instance, you might find somebody who's interested in sex magic, but they can only get there through pain. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna have to nope out of that. You know, or say that's great, that's fantastic. I can't help you with that. I'm not going there. Um, I can't put any energy into that situation. Hmm. You mentioned self-flagellation, so you're you're open to applying pain to yourself, but your your line in the sand is not doing that to somebody else. Yeah, uh, I, it's because of my abused background. Mm, I see. Um, I cannot inflict that on anybody else. I just can't. I feel horrified because um, I've been in uh, like a BSDM thing like very few times, and I just I can't. I just can't because um, no matter how far along I go, there's always there's always a part of you that's there mm-hmm. in that in that previous moment, and I just feel horrified when I inflict any kind of pain, no matter how consensual. Even if the person's like, "Look, I not only consent, I want this right. badly," you know, I still can't. I still can't, and it's just it's just my own failing. Well, not failing, but just my own decision. Right. It has no bearing on the reality of other people. You know, if people need that, then people need that. And that is great. And they can do whatever they want as long as they're safe. Um, but, um, but I can't. So, like I said, the important thing is what, what charges you? You know, so the flagellation itself doesn't matter. N- not in itself, not the physical act itself. Doesn't really matter. 
The sex itself doesn't even really matter. The starvation doesn't matter. What matters is what gets your mind going. Hmm. What puts you into that state of mind that's going to do this? And can I just back up a little bit more yeah. about the the abusive past? I, I too have that, and I'm I've wondered if certain aspects of that because I've gone through like family abuse and partner abuse, and it's my suspicion that the partner abuse may have contributed to um, the more physical interest that I have in. Um, uh, restraint and pain and that sort of thing. So I understand you're, you're um, not wanting to apply pain to anyone else because of your past. And I assume that it would be equally triggering if somebody, you know, was to suggest applying pain to you, that that's definitely, that's something that you also wouldn't participate in. Is that triggering? It's um, uh, the suggestion certainly is not triggering. Okay. Um, because I, because I can see things offered in the spirit that they're offered. Mm-hmm. You know, that this person wants to apply pain, but they're not applying pain because they want to put me in danger and they want, you know, they want to harm me in a way that is permanent. You know, they're not out for me. This is a person who just has this kink and they're attracted to me and they think that I could participate well in their scene. And to me, that's flattering. Uh, I can't do it, but um, it, it would be the act itself that if I were, if I were, you know, if somebody took a whip to me, that would immediately trigger uh, fight or flight right. immediately. The second I felt it, that would be triggering. The self-flagellation aspect, right? So you're you're applying. That's, I, I should say that's something I've done very rarely and okay. mostly as a um, as an experiment. Okay. Because you know, because I'd like to. If I read something and I'm doing it, I like to test it. I understand. You know, so when I when I read self-flagellation, I was like, okay. Self-flagellation. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, so I've done it a couple of times and it worked, but I mean, I'd much rather masturbate. To be honest. <laughs> Do you ever consider the possibility of kind of using pain or that kind of um, experience with someone else as a way of kind of owning your past or kind of rewriting the script of, of what right, those right. things mean to you and, you know, kind of that effect of, of physical um, impact. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that as kind of a means of taking control over, over your previous abuse. You know, yeah. you're, you're owning it at that point and saying, I have control over this. And, you know, uh, I've considered that. Um, the problem is just the uh, scarcity of people who I would trust mm. to do that with. Yeah. You know, it would have to be a very... I don't know, a unique, special person who I would have to trust doing. And to be honest, as much as I love uh, my friends and I've loved my lovers and everything like that, I just have not gone that far with trust. Do you also consider yourself to be pansexual? Like, what, how, how would you identify yourself if you needed to apply labels for some profile or something? I would, I, <laughs> most I, the most I would do, I, I think I would say bi-curious. Hmm. Um, I've, I've, had, I've had gay sex before. Um, which, which is how I know I'm curious and not full on why, because, um, because say in masturbation, um, those experiences never come up mm-hmm. as fantasy. Um, there's something that I enjoyed in that moment, you know? Um, but afterwards, you know, I was like, well, that was definitely something I did. You know, that's, that's about as far as it reached to me. So again, it's, it's, it's something that I would not, I think I've done. I've done sex 
same sex three times, three times, like when I was around college experimenting. Um, cause that's what college is for. Um, <laughs> but I mean, knowing what I know now, I would not ask, um, somebody of my same sex to do sex magic with me because it just wouldn't fire my imagination hmm. like it should. That's an interesting distinction that you said. I, I, identify as hetero flexible and I identify that way instead of bisexual or even bi curious, just because, um, it's a, 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 an amount of limited experience. Like I, I, um, am very open-minded and very attracted to people as, you know, people and not necessarily mm-hmm. because of the presence of some sort of specific genital, genital right. makeup. But, um, because I haven't, had specific experiences with certain types of um, people on the spectrum of gender. It feels insincere, um, but also like, you know, it's also a matter of like really liking having sex with men, but I've, I've never thought about it in terms of like what I fantasize about is like the indication of where I lean. So I, I love that you were saying like, that's how you know is because when you're masturbating, you're not fantasizing about you know, this kind of other part of, of that, um, experience. And I think it's the the same ish for me. I mean, mostly I I do fantasize a lot about group sex, so that does muddy the horse a little bit, but, um, but yeah, that's just, it's just, that was a, just one of those things where it's like, I never really thought about that, but that's, that's a (laughs) pretty good rule of thumb, I think for anybody out there that's wondering. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that you talk about it. It's, um, it's something that I keep coming across with, with, uh, with men that mostly identify as straight is like the, uh, willingness and open-mindedness and, and level of experience with people of the same sex is actually way more pervasive than, um, our culture would have us believe. (laughs) And it's just, it's funny, like there are, so open about discussing it with people that are kind of in the same sphere, but they're still so hesitant to be open about it. Like I was, I was hoping to do this, this series of interviews with men that kind of identify along the bi-curious heteroflexible spectrum mm-hmm. and almost all of them, like they only want to do an interview if they can uh, alter their voice or you, you know I mean, like they want to go to these extreme measures <laughs> to make sure nobody knows well. who they are. But I mean, clearly this is something like, if more men like yourself were just open about like, yeah, this is just part of my experience. Then, well, yeah. Well, here's, here's the problem. Here's, here's the thing. First of all, um, in general, I've got, I've got, I'm painting with a very broad brush here. Yeah. Okay. But in general, um, men are not raised to be in touch with their emotions. They're highly discouraged to be in touch with their emotions. And, and they're especially um, conditioned to be against vulnerability. Hmm. You know, um, any kind of vulnerability that's shown is usually beaten out of you. You know, if if not by some, I don't know, extraordinarily patriarchal father, uh, to your peers yeah. as kids, because they're being taught. You know, look, you're if, if anybody who cries is a sissy, and you do not want to be a sissy, or they're a crybaby, and you beat up crybaby. I'll give them something to cry about. You know, that kind of bullshit. Yeah. So um, I think that I think that's baggage that a lot of men carry um, sometimes to their dying day, unfortunately um, that they can't be open about what their desires are. And it, it's getting a little better. 
uh, a bit better. But I mean, there's still there's still circumstances where, you know, people will go to pride parades, right? And they'll have the, the rainbow flag on their on their face. But when they're leaving the parade, they have to immediately rub that off their face or they're going to get beaten up on the way home. Hmm. You know, yeah. uh, that's a very common story, unfortunately, where people have to hide the rainbow flags in their backpack when they get on the subway because they know that, you know, while I'm on my way home, I'm no longer in a safe space. And uh, I don't think I don't think most men feel like they're in a safe space. So I think. Men are going to try to dodge that as much as possible because uh, even though nobody's going to beat them up now, really, you know, it's a very low chance of that happening. It will happen, but um, but there's very low chance. It's still there. It's like any abuse. You, there's still a little part of you that is aware of that and is still there. And so I think that people who are afraid of their sexuality, uh, men in particular, um, they're just they're afraid and they're afraid of a physical harm or as they get older, mental harm, you know, some, some kind of societal harm. My loved ones will never talk to me again if they find this out. You know, my wife will leave me if she found this out, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just think that a lot of, a lot of straight men, and I'm, this is definitely not a, Oh, poor straight men thing. Uh, cause woof, um, <laughs> have straight men ever had it easy. Um, <laughs> But it's but it is a situation where where I mean even the slightest by curiosity can get you punished pretty hard. So how did you get to a place where you felt safe to explore that and speak about it? I mean, do you speak about it with with uh, you know your friends that aren't like kind of in the the sex world, but like your more conservative friends? Is this something you speak openly about? Uh, not not openly, just because it's not it doesn't form that big a part in my life. Hmm. I encourage other people to talk as much as possible, and I will answer any question that they ask me as honestly as I can. I'll I'll be as straightforward. I've, I've I've had I've had friends who are like, "Have you had sex with a man?" I was like, "Yep, I have had sex with a man." Yeah. Uh, you know, and just and the the thing is, is that I haven't reached the feeling of a safe safe space as much as I've reached my, I don't give a shit phase, yeah. <laughs> you know? So now I, I don't give a shit if I'm vulnerable or if I'm crying over a song or something like that. I don't give a fuck if anybody else thinks badly of this. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if anybody thinks negatively that I've had sex with men before. I don't care. So I've just reached that stage in a way. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm carrying my safe space with me wherever I go. So what else are you into besides, you know, the kind of magical ritualistic side of things? What, what else gets you off? Oh, well, here's where I'm going to put everybody who's listening to you asleep. I'm very <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> I'm very vanilla. Um, I really get off on giving oral. I love that. I love that. I, um, I it's perhaps did it too much. Um <laughs> Um, I, I used to, I used to call it dinner at the Y. <laughs> oh. um, so I really, I really get up on that. I get up on, on pleasuring others. Um, Wait, that, can we just, that, hold on, hold on. I have to ask. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. What would make you consider that you've possibly done it too much? Like how, how is that? I'm, I'm, I love emotional connection. Yeah. That's, that's, I love that. But there's a lot of times where I had sex on the first date without, wanting to have sex on the first date, you know, without meaning to, I'd go out on a date thinking, okay, 
this is the first date. Everybody puts on their, their best mask on the first date. You know, yes. this is the date where I'm determining, are we going to have a second date? You know, and then three hours later, I'm giving oral sex and I'm also thinking, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> How did I get here? It's, it's like time travel. You know, you're, you're eating dinner. You're, you're ordering the appetizer. But a little, 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 you're eating somebody else. Uh, you know, it's like. But is that maybe part of your selection process? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I have some, some, excuse me, some physical requirements. Like, maybe that's part of it. Like, let me, you know, let me go down on you and let me really take full stock of this situation. And then we can decide if we're going to go on again. <laughs> that is, I think that is the weirdest criteria for a second date <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm sorry. I like you. I cannot see you again until I'm down there. Okay. I just, I got to munch on you for a while before I'm really certain that you're a good person. I, I don't know. Um, I, it's, it, like I said, that, that's why I feel like I did it too much. So I did it too quick sometimes. I just leap into it. I'm like, next thing I know, boom, I'm doing oral sex. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Tonight? But is it too soon? Because you kind of feel like, well, that, like that decreased your interest in doing anything else in a certain way, or it was too soon for the other person or what, what no, was it? Was, it? Uh, apparently it was not too soon for the other person because <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not an aggressive person uh, when it comes to intimacy. I'm, I'm very much a more laid back. Let's see what happens type thing. Um, but back then, especially this is like in the uh, late, late, late nineties, early two thousands, I was, I, I was, not going to make the first move, but if somebody else made the first move, I would definitely dance. Yeah. You know? Um, so, you know, in no cases was it ever a case where I made the move. I leaned on him, you know, Hey baby, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm really good at cuddling has come with me, you know, or anything like that, you know, it's very much a go with the flow. Hey, what do you want to do? You know? And then, Hey, let's go back to my place. Okay, sure. Let's go back to your place. Not even thinking this is going to, this is going to end up in sex. I'm just thinking I'm going to go back to her place yeah. and uh, you know, let's watch TV. Okay. Let's watch TV. She puts on porn. It's porn. Okay. Well, I guess she really likes to watch porn next, you know, uh, I'm doing oral sex. I'm, I'm eating that. You know, <laughs> this happened a lot. I, I I don't know why back then I was I was so passive and yet I was passive aggressive. I guess <laughs> you know passive aggressive with sex. Uh, but it was like I said. That's why I would say too much. I just you know I was I was too amenable to doing it with people who I didn't really know very well. That's dangerous. So yeah, you know. And what else? What else do, are you into? Um, I would say that's the biggest thing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm more into like intimacy and soft touching, you know, uh, kind of a tender moment type thing. But the, the most important thing is, is an emotional connection. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's just gotta be there. Um, I, that's why I, I really could never be like a real swinger or anything like that because, uh, without that emotional connection to me, it's just, it gets boring. You know? Have you ever considered, because I, I relate to what you're saying. I also feel like I, I need that connection. I feel like I'm very good at, you know, having casual sex. But like I said, you know, like I do have these, these, um, I do have a lot of interest in group sex. Like I've, I've had, you know, multiple partners, not as many at one time as I would like, but you know, bucket list. Right. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it was something I've kind of been realizing the idea of, you know, if there is one person that perhaps I'm in a relationship with, like this to me, this is my ideal relationship, right? Like we're, 
committed and there's you know strong emotional connection etc but the monogamy is a bit stretchy in that we're both willing to um engage with other people together or like to give people the freedom to do that on their own but what i wound up fantasizing from this idea was going to a group sex event or you know being in right. some sort of situation where there are multiple people but having that one person there that i'm connected with the idea of like you know seeing each other across the room and having that connection amidst all of this other more casual yeah. non-connected um stuff seemed to like bring that connection to it in an indirect way but in a way that kind of allowed all of it to be appealing and pleasurable rather than you know if I was to go to a situation like that or find myself in a situation like that and I didn't have a person there that I had that connection with I feel like the whole thing would be very flat and I don't feel like I would be very interested in it I mean is that yeah. something have you ever considered such a thing or what I happens thought about that yeah um the, the way I think of it is is having an anchor hmm. yeah you know you need an anchor there because you know the, the waves can get choppy so, um, yeah, you need, you need, you, I would absolutely, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Uh, if, if that were to happen, I would absolutely need one person there who would, who would be kind of my rock in that. Yeah. Um, the, the situation never really presented itself in any realistic way. So I'd always thought of it as, well, you know, maybe that's, that's something and kind of that goes into one of the vaults in the spank bank, you know? So can we get back to the oral sex? I'm curious how, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did this become something that you were you are so into, and do you consider yourself to be highly skilled at it? Um, I let's see, where do you start? Uh, because of my um, um my upbringing, upbringing, which is uh, was again extremely strict. Yeah, part of that strictness had to do with sexuality. Um, in as much as you couldn't have any. Um, sexuality was for procreation. That's it. That's it. If you enjoy yourself, you're sitting. That kind of thing. Yeah. And it took me a while to unwrap that. Because, I mean, when I was 17, I started getting out of that and thinking, you know what, this is bullshit. I'm going to turn into a person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But sex, that's a primal thing. And trying to unwrap all of these phobias and all these fears about going to hell and everything like that away from this, I did not have penetrative sex until I was 29. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is, when you're in your 20s and you're dating something and you're not penetrating, you got to do something. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind know? of like the saving yourself for marriage. I'll do anything but, you know, penis yeah, in the that, vagina. That, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> but, um, ex- except, except by then, by the 20s, I wasn't even saving myself for marriage. Yeah. And then by the time I was fully over it and was like, you know what, I am so ready for penetration – um, I was kind of in a desert area. There's nobody who I wanted to have sex with. Yeah. So I was like, I'm ready for sex, but there's nobody here. You know, I don't want to have sex with any of these people that I know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, basically I, oral sex was the game I had, <laughs> you know, that, that was my go-to. Um, and I feel, I would, God, I wouldn't say expert level, uh, cause who is, <laughs> um, I mean, every, every, every pussy is different. You know, there, there's no one size fits all method right. that works on it. But I feel like I do put a lot of care into it and a lot of a lot of interest. And it's something that's important to me to be good at. Mm. And so um, and so I would say that more importantly than being an expert, I 
care about it deeply. Yeah. And so it's something that I feel like I can do well. I can manifestly do it well because I haven't had any complaints and I've had a lot of women come on my face. So, um, so I, I feel like, yes. Okay. The, like, like magic, the, the proof is in it's working. Right. Oral sex is working. Okay. I can, and, uh, has, has actually, uh, as actually a lot of reminded me, um, the problem is that when you're really, really good at oral and then, and then you break up, the person tends to stalk you, <laughs> which, which has happened a couple of times. Uh, I've gotten, people have gotten mad at me. So, Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're a man who's predominantly straight or straight-ish, whatever. Yeah. I know you said bicurious, but it, um, it is I don't know. I don't know that it would it would be the typical response in your situation that you would be the one to be the giver of the oral sex. It seems much more likely that a man in your situation would, um, you know, have been the receiver of more sex than he gave, more oral sex than right. he gave. Um, so how how did that that happen? Are you are you into having yourself pleasured orally, or is it? I mean, is that something you're not into? Like, how how did that balance emerge? I, I wouldn't say that it's terribly balanced. I'm not remarkably interested in having oral sex done to me. Um, the way I see it, you know, I, it, it sounds it sounds so stupid to say I'll let it happen, but um, <laughs> but but how I see it is um, this is this is a moment where my partner is getting to me. And they're giving to me up love and care, and they're doing this because they're really into me. And and this is this is a sign of love given from them to me. And that I just I drink in. I love that. I adore that. But physically, doesn't do much for me. And why is that? Do you think? I don't know. I think um, I, I think part of the upbringing just fully emphasized. You give, you don't receive. Mm. That, and then also a terrible self-esteem that I had uh, when I was young, uh, which meant that I'm not worth receiving. Mm. I'm only worth giving, you know. Um, so it was a combination of those things that I think just kind of, you know, locked in the drive, you know, um, to where now, again, I, you know, when I receive a blowjob, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm I'm enjoying myself, but it's not... You know, like to be honest, I've never come during a blowjob ever, but I've I've enjoyed them. I mean, they've been great, but there's there's just never something that that grabbed my attention. But me giving oral, that gets my attention. Do you get off giving oral? Yes, I do. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And without touching yourself? Without touching myself. Hmm. Yeah. Do you come from penetrative sex? Yes, I do. And in the spectrum of like what? what is the better orgasm if one can assign better, uh, like versus, <laughs> you know, penetrative sex versus, you know, going down on a woman, what, what would give you the more, most physical pleasure? I think, uh, the physical pleasure would be penetrative, but, um, I think the emotional pleasure would actually be oral. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I just, I get more mentally out of that because again, it's to me, it's, a, it's, it's my chance to outpour love. Yeah. You know, and and caring and tenderness and saying this is how I feel about you and you know this, this is this isn't just you know a, a you know a limbic stimulus or anything like that. This is me pouring out you know something that I very much care about into my partner. 
Mm. Um, and so that's that, you know, you know how, how they say that the, you know, the mind is, is, you know, the start of sexual desire. It's the ultimate sex toy. Yeah. Um, because it's hard to so much emotionally. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It just, the oral just charges me so much mentally that I can come from that. And when you, I, I picked up on this when you were describing, you know, your feelings about receiving a blowjob, mm-hmm. receiving oral sex. And you were like, you know, I'll, I'll take it. it that to me, <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you, that's so common to hear women say. And, and I've had a, a, this same feeling myself, but it's not because I don't enjoy it. It's because so many men you know, don't, don't share your philosophy of like taking (laughs) care with it and taking their time and, and really Mm -hmm. enjoying it. And you sense that, and it makes them not good to, you know, whatever tricks they, they may think that they know, like if their heart isn't in it, it really doesn't matter. So, so many women that I I know, like share that kind of like, well, you know, if he does fine, but it's not like I'm going to seek this out because the odds are very high. It's going to be kind of a waste of time and you're going to have to do the whole (laughs) tap on the shoulder thing. (laughs) So, I mean, for you, is it, it's, do you think it's something similar at all? I mean, I know you did talk about like your, your kind of your sense of self and self-esteem and history kind of factoring into it, but has it also been like, maybe you haven't had a woman that had the same, uh, you know, like, uh, desire to give you that pleasure, that same sense of care and interest? I think so. Cause I think, I think, and this is, boy, this is ever an assumption. Okay. Because I'm not a woman, so I've got no clue on this. Yeah. But my but my feeling that even though the, the, the a blowjob is an outpouring of love and saying, "Look, I'm really into you, and I'm going to do this for you," I think that I think that a lot of times, I think women also think, "Well, it's something I have to do." Yeah. You know this this you know a guy is going to expe- expect a blowjob. He's you know if I don't give a blowjob then he's going to wonder what's wrong with him. So I got to give a blowjob, <laughs> you know? So I, I think that in, and I would say most cases with, with me, it was kind of taken with that attitude of, well, I guess I got, I got to blow this guy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not going to, he's not going to really like me if I don't blow him. Right. So I'm just going to blow him now. And you know, they, that's, that's not to say that it was like the world's saddest blowjob or anything <laughs> like that. Like they were so not into this and, you know, and they're just like, you know, thinking about what they're going to do the rest of the day while they're blowing me or whatever. Uh, it wasn't like that. There was never a disconnect. But I think that at the same time, it was, again, it was something that they felt like they had to do yeah. as part of a sexual repertoire. And it wasn't something that they really got off on doing, mm. you know. And that's something that I could sense. And so with, to me, I absolutely have to have two people or more enjoying this situation. Yeah. You know, the, both people have to be really having a great time. And if a blowjob is just something they feel like they should do because, because they, they really like me or they love me and they're really into me, but this is something that that's, it's just something that they're not into personally. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell. Yeah. So just to, you know, get all the women listening all riled up. So can you, what what is an average amount of time that you would spend going down on a woman? It it greatly depends. It greatly depends. Because some people, you know, will just get off on it and then they've had enough. Yeah. You know, they're (laughs) done. Um, you know, they'll come once and it's like, okay, we are finished. You know, you, you are going to, you are going to stick it in me now (laughs) because you, you get your mouth away from me (laughs) kind of thing. 
other women will be into it like for a full afternoon. Mm. You know, they'll be like, just stay there. <laughs> you know, I'll get you scuba gear if you want to, but <laughs> you're going to stay down there. So what is the um, longest amount of time, would you say? The longest amount of time I spent there yeah. uh, doing uh, oral? Um, I think close to two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, where I would just, you know, I would bring him to the verge of coming and then, then sit back for a second. And just you know caress them or whatever, and then and then start again, and then just try to do this. What I what I thought of as brinksmanship, hmm. you know, you're just on the brink, or you know, just let them come, and then just you know everything like that. Then hold them for a little bit, and then once I can tell that they you know that they're wanting more, I just immediately go down again. Hmm. Um, it's just it's very very interpretive. There's no single way to approach oral. At all, because just like every vagina is different, every person's different. Yeah. And so you just you have to get a sense of, you know, what's this person wanting to have? Because the, the whole point, the whole point of the thing is not to do oral. The whole point of the thing is for is for the partner to enjoy the hell of what's happened. You know. And so, like I said, if, it, if it's a short time, it's a short time. And if it's a long time, it's a long time. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what the person wants. Yeah. So do you have a preferred position that you go down on a woman in? Um, no, not, not really. I, I think it's just however I can get there. <laughs> um, since I figured that this is something that, that uh, is happening, you know, with and yet to the woman, uh, it's lady's choice. Hmm. You know, what, what position is most comfortable for? Um, you know, where does she want to sit for however five minutes or you know, 30 minutes, how, you know, what position does she want to be in that she's going to be comfortable in keep this? That's the most important thing. So if, if she wants to lay down, that's fine. If she wants to sit up, that's fine. Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it takes for her to relax and be in the moment. And are you using fingers? Uh, yeah. Uh, fingers, tongue, teeth, lips, uh, nose, um, the chin, uh, you, you use all the tools that you can and, <laughs> and you, and then you feel it out. You know, then, then you, then you sense, you know, because I mean, it's a matter of, you know, especially the first time, the first time is always, I wouldn't say tricky, but always a learning experience right. because the, the whole point is she's teaching me how to love them. Right. You know, so I, 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 you know, so there the first time it's trial and error in a way, you know, like, do you like this? You know, I, I don't ask, do you like this? Because that ruins the moment, you know, that takes them out of their out of the enjoyment into and into their head. And so they're not having to analyze, do I like this? And you know, that just ruins it. Um, You're listening so instead, to their body. Yeah. And instead I just, I, I just let them know before we even do this, that just tell me, hmm. tell me, don't, don't think, Oh, he likes this. So I better go along. I, if you don't like it, I don't like it. Hmm. You know, so tell me, instruct me how to love you. And I will do that. So when you you said you've had you know women come on your face, so yeah. do you have you had women squirt on your face, or is it like you know you feel the the clenching once. and the twice you said? Uh, once. 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 Yeah. Once, and, uh, like a, it was um, it was a hell of a squirt. Too. It, was, <laughs> it was it was somewhat unexpected. She had warned me. Yeah. That she squirts, but she said I squirt sometimes. <laughs> Which, you know, made me think, okay, I don't know how to calculate the likelihood of this, but, you know, I, 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 you know, and, and she did set out a towel, you know, so she thinks there's a, there's, you know, a chance, 
but I don't know what's going to happen. Then she started bucking and I kept going and then all of a sudden, whoosh, <laughs> you know, and, but I mean, I felt, okay, this sounds ridiculous, but I felt like it was the gentlemanly thing to stay there <laughs> and not immediately leap back, you know, I felt like it was the, it was the nice thing to stay there because I felt like at the time, if I jump back, she's going to feel judged. You know, yeah. she's going to feel like I'm, I'm going, what the hell are you doing to me? You know, what the, what the fuck? Um, and I, I knew, I knew that she squirts and, you know, I, I knew this could happen and she started, she started bucking. I could feel the contractions. I was like, okay, you know, what's happening. You know, you were warned. Um, and so when the squirt happened, I was just like, you know, okay, hold your ground, you know, stay there, just close your eyes, you know, um, hold your breath. And, you know, she finished. And uh, then I knew it would be a big turn on immediately, like went up and started kissing her. <laughs> I so I knew that would be a turn on. For yeah. Her, so. well, I love this discussion very much. I, I have another question. You're, cause you, you're satisfying a, a hole in the, the episode list because the, I do know <laughs> a person I've encountered a pussy whisperer. And <laughs> this was from decades ago, and he was hyped up by a male, a mutual male friend who was like, apparently he's amazing at it. I, you know, you should do this with him and like tell me what his tricks are, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. And like, apparently he's also known for, like you said, you know, you have women stalk you. Is this something that you lead with? Because I'm thinking in terms of like, if you were to meet a new person, a new potential partner, do you bring up that this is this is something that you offer? Do you hype yourself up at all? No, 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 no. That that it's oh, a surprise for women. So if somebody yeah. was to go out and then they they go home with you, like this is a total surprise that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I, 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 I um, see. To me, sex is improvisational. Mm. You know, you, you have you have to feel your way through it. You know, it's it's going to be different for people. Other people, you know, and it's also different for the moment. A person may be into something, but they're not into something that second. Mm. You know, I, I never lead with that. I, I, it's something that has to build up. Uh, because also I feel that if I go, if I go down too soon, mm. um, it's, it's more difficult to get them to come. It's a lot more difficult. Mm. If, I just, if I just, you know, leap straight. If I leap straight to the vagina, then it's, yeah, it's a little rough. Um, a little rough going. You have to work at that point. <laughs> um, whereas if you, if you do foreplay right. If you're into that person and you're in that moment and you're kissing, then I don't. I feel like I'm. I can feel the moment. Um, I have had like two guy friends ask me what to do, like what style to do or tips or whatever. Look, uh, listen to your partner. Uh, listen to her body. So even if she's not telling you, her body's going to tell you. In the end, it's not about eating pussy. It's really not. It, it, that's. That's something physical to you, but this this ties in with the magic. It's what you're doing with both of your minds. That's why you have to you have to start you have to start however the moment says to start. You can't just stampede down there. <laughs> when you're doing this for the first time, get to know her down there. You know, feel out the vagina because every vagina is you know it's it's different. So feel where feel where to touch her. You know, feel where to caress her with your finger, and then that's the place where you can lick or rub against or whatever feel where her zones are and the rest is easy <laughs> the rest is very simple i mean there's no uh, there I'm, I'm i like the term i love the term pussy whisperer because i have a friend who uses um she she uh she's like my closest friend ever 
And apparently she gives amazing blowjobs. And so she calls herself the penis whisperer. Right, right. <laughs> right. So, um, so I love the, the pussy whisperer. But the thing is, is that you're not whispering to the pussy. You're whispering to the woman. Right. And the, the pussy is just there as a target for what you're whispering. Mm. Is there anything on your sexual bucket list that you, you look forward to trying if you have anything that you're interested in trying that you haven't dabbled in already? Well, now that you, now that you mention it, group. Um, I used, I used to make this joke. Okay. Whenever, um, whenever uh, particularly a male friend of mine would say how much he wants to have a threesome, I I would say it takes a brave man to want to disappoint two women at the same time. (laughs) 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 But, uh, you know, and, but the only reason why I haven't pursued it, and this is, this potentially silly is I haven't worked out the logistics. There are so um, many logistics. Oh my god! Yeah, it's you know who does what to who at what time to make sure that nobody feels neglected. Well, see, this you is know. to me the appeal of like the bigger group because yes, it does get into the nitty gritty and that minutia when you're with just two other people. But when you're with like a dozen, like I feel like that shit works itself out. You don't have to think so hard. <laughs> True, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, you talked me into it. I'm a good speaker. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, that, that's something that's potential um i don't know um I, I have friends who are trying to introduce me more into kink um because i really haven't signed up for anything like fat life or anything like that until just very recently like a couple of days ago because mm. like uh like lada and another friend of mine um who i guess i guess i would call um a lover even though we live in completely different states and haven't seen each other forever we just adore one another and have for decades yeah um They've both been saying, "Hey, you should get into kink. <laughs> you should, you should, you you would be good at that." <laughs> okay, um, don't know what you mean, but okay, okay, sure. Um, so that's the only reason. So I'm only, I would say, I'm new at this. I'm new to the kink scene anyway, um, and I'm liking what I'm seeing, definitely. You know, and I think there's there's a niche for somebody who um, likes what I like and is interested in what I'm interested in. Oh yes. Uh, so. <laughs> So um, that's, you know, that, that's something on the horizon that I could easily, I'm looking forward to. But I, I think I'm still, since I'm still feeling my way around my kink, I don't have anything set mm. on my menu list saying, oh, hell yeah, that. <laughs> Give me that. Um, I just don't know enough right now. Understandable. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we finish up? I, I think just the most important thing in any of this, anything that we've been talking about is love. Mm. You know, whatever, whatever you do, do it with love. If, if you're into BSDM, if you're into, if you're into being whipped, if you're um, into whipping, whatever, do it, do it with love. Well, thank you. I, I love, this was a fascinating conversation and I enjoyed talking with you very much. So I enjoyed it too. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing all the things that you shared, and I wish you all the best going forward. And you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.